0: is the last Sunday in the Lost Parables of Jesus series that we've been doing, um, and like I've said before, these are not parables that I've found somewhere at Qumran, these are actually the parables that deal with Jesus dealing with lost people or lost situation, lost things. And so far, just to catch you up, the, in the Lost series that we've been in, we've seen the Lost Sheep. And what we saw in that is that the Lord said, I am, the shepherd's heart was, I'll leave the flock where they're safe. I'm gonna leave them because I'm gonna use my energy to go after the one that is lost. And we see that the Lord's passion there is to go after those people that are outside of his kingdom. Then we got to the lost coin. And if you'll remember that, that the lady lit lamps inside this dark house, moved furniture, swept the dirt floors, and searched diligently and was not going to stop until the coin was found. And when she found it, remember, all of these stories end with a celebration. All of them would gather a crowd and begin to celebrate that which was lost is now found. And then last week, we talked about the parable of the son, the prodigal, and how the story we get is that from me There's a lot of information and truth in that story, but the thing that gets me the most is that when the son was at the pig trough, starving to death, away from home, he'd run out of the possessions of his father. He found himself alone in a foreign country uh, at a pretty low position of basically taking care of a farmer's pigs. And at that point, he began to have a turnaround. He began to have an experience. This is not good. This is not where I want to be. And here's what I wanted to get at. As soon as that son turned and started heading for the father, when you read this story, when the father sees him coming down the lane, he took off running toward him. The thing that that does for my heart is that God is after you. God is after people. He's waiting for us to get to the pig trough of our life and figure out this is not right. There's got to be something more than this. And when we get to that pig trough place, whatever that is, he's waiting to see its turn. And when we turn, he's running towards you. That's how much he loves us. And to conclude the series, we're going to look at um, the lost situation of guests at a wedding. So if you have your Bibles, would you go to the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 14? And we're going to begin in verse 16. Luke 14, 16. Got it? Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready for you. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a piece of ground, and now I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to go test them. I ask that you, to you to give me an excuse so I don't have to come. Still another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. These, so this servant came and responded to these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the poor of the city, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there is still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in, that my house may be filled, for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. Pretty st- st- stiff thing there at the end for the Lord to say. In this, we'll see at the very beginning of this story the excuses that, we, that you will run across, and maybe you have. The excuses are listed here in three categories. The first one that we see behind the story, uh, let's, let me go back a bit. Originally, this is talking about, if you remember several months ago, I told you that Israel was divorced by God. He, they were divorced because of their unfaithfulness. Remember, he had chosen Abraham's seed to bless them, to bring them out of this one man would become this nation. And we remember the story that they got down into Egypt and became slaves there and that the Lord was going to bring them out, take them across the desert, put them in a land that he called the land of promise and he was going to give them that territory as their possession. But all he asked of them is to remain faithful, loyal to him but they didn't. This Israel, uh, this twelve sons that came out of this one father, these twelve sons represented the tribes of Israel. And so the tribes Uh, the majority of them fell under the divorce that God gave them because of their unbelief. Matter of fact, I'll just show you where it's found in Jeremiah 3, 6 through 8. Let me read it to you so you're not just taking my word for it. Jeremiah 3, verses 6 through 8. During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and, every, and under every spreading tree, and has committed adultery there. That is idolatry. On the high hills were high places, and under trees were Ashtoreth poles, or the worship of the goddess Ashtoreth, which is basically a sexual type of goddess. They also got into, as I've told you at times, the god worship of Canaanite gods. One of those would be Molech, and that was the god that they would, sacrificed their babies into the arms of this God, and basically for us today, that would be the killing of our children, and that they Israel was caught up into sexual sins, idolatry, uh, worshiping false gods, uh, giving the blessing of their womb to appease a false god, and they were just all messed up in this, and then the Lord tried and tried. If you read any of the prophets, all of the prophets' stories We're telling Israel, you've got to come back. You've got to stop what you're doing, turn around and come back. But it came to a point where God says enough is enough. And then we go on. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not. And her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. Let me break in. Now Judah was never put under the divorce. Here's why. Through the line of Judah was going to come the seed of Abraham. You know who the seed of Abraham is? Jesus. So the, the, the tribe of Judah was kept in covenant with God so that out of that line could come Jesus, the Messiah, the one that was coming to put all of this right. So Judah, but Judah saw this sin happening, and it says, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce, and I sent her away because all of her adulteries. But the story expands here when we're in the gospel. When we're telling or hearing what Jesus was talking about in this story uh, in Luke 14. Because we begin to see that this is not just about Israel now. Thank the Lord that the redemption that came through Jesus Christ is not just for the uh, wayward Israelites. It still is. And it says they will return. But it is also for those of us that do not come from A Jewish line, but we are Gentiles. And this is still the message. But I want, out of all that, I want you to see the simple excuses. And they're honestly kind of foolish when you hear how it's presented. The first excuse that we give we're busy. I've got business. I've got to go do business. This guy said, I just bought a field and I got to go check it out. And the reality is, how many of you bought land and didn't see it first? You know that's just not probably going to happen. If it does, I've got some land to sell you, and can make a lot of money. Because if you're not going to check it out first, I'll sell it to you. And so we see kind of the foolishness, but that's an excuse that is given. I'm busy. I just I'm too busy. I understand that the need, my spiritual need, but I'm just too busy. And the second one was possessions, because it says I just bought five yoke of oxen. And now I gotta go see him and try them out. So how many of you bought a tractor sight unseen? I mean bought a truck sight unseen, and then you're gonna go try it out. See, do you understand the foolishness of these excuses? But they are excuses. So it's still being used. I'm busy or I've got stuff I gotta do, possessions I've got to take care of. And there are excuses that keep that people say no. And then the last one is family responsibilities. I just got married, so I can't come. And all the men here will say amen to that. We understand that. Just kidding. Vicki, I'm just kidding. But today we say soccer, basketball, baseball, football. I can't come. can't do that because I got. And so we put excuses, small things, temporary things, material things. I don't know why, but it seems like we as humans tend toward those to give our life to those things. You've all heard probably um, even back in American lore that people would come into the American Indian and trade uh, trinkets for gold because the 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 Indians at that point didn't have the concept of the value of gold. And so the European could come in and say, We'll give you these things, this salt, this sugar, this. Whatever will trade you items that are not valuable for very valuable because they believed that the beads were valuable and losing what was valuable. Same thing happens all across our land. People are going after beads and trinkets but missing what is most valuable their relationship with the Lord. And so we see these excuses going on in this story. And there are people probably listening. To me today, you're busy. I know you're busy, people. I talk to you and hear the stories of your life and what you're going through. and But some are saying I'm simply too busy to deal with my spiritual condition. You'll find that as you share the card out as well. There are people here today who have your heart so ensnared with the things, with the loves of this world that you don't have time or no place left in your heart for the Lord, for the affection that the Lord has for us. All these excuses that keep coming from what Jesus offered that would have melted into thin air at the moment if they found themselves at the pig trough. All those excuses go away when you get to the place you've hit the dead end and you're standing at the pig trough and realizing this is not right. This is not what my life is supposed to be. This is not where God designed my destination to arrive. I have Wherever I am is wrong. I've got to turn around and go back. When you have this awakening moment, all of these excuses melt away and mean nothing. And that's what we have to pray for. See, that's the harsh truth. Why do we find our heart in this condition? Why is it I don't want these things out of my life so I can pursue the Lord? Why do I not care for Jesus? And the reason is our hearts have been shaken loose from its moorings that tied us to the Lord, that tied us to God. We've been shaken loose, given our affection to other places. Like the prodigal son, he preferred to be away, to run away from what was home. He preferred to have his own power, to have his own money, to run in his own way with nobody telling him what to do. We all have that, I think, that sense of rebellion. I know that I do. But the excuses will fade away one day. We can trick our consequences. We can trick them. We can put off those who bring a message to us. We can put it off. But I tell you this. We will not be able to deceive the host that's making the invitation. We will face the host one day. So we've looked at the excuses. excuses, Then secondly, I want you to look at the determination of God in this story. It's... Look at the determination, verse 17. He sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So what's the first stage? Invitation. Take your card and give it out. Give the invitations. We're inviting, and that's what the Lord did. Invite. He invited Israel to come back. They said, we're busy. We're taking care of things down here on the earth. We don't have time for you, God. But the invitation was given. Now look at the second step in verse 14. All uh, right, 1421, excuse me. He ordered his servant, now go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, and basically says, haul them in. My house is empty. Go get people, those that are understand they have limitations and difficulties. Go get them and haul them in. And the servant said, we've already done that and your house is still not full. Then look at verse 23. The master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house may be full. The Lord, or the master, the host, is getting a little bit more and more intense as we go, and he says, I want you to go get them and make them come with you. I want you to see the determination of the Lord about things that are lost. Do you see that? how he will go. See, the church will be full after we go with invitation. It won't, we can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. We know that's called insanity. We can't keep doing the same thing if it's if we're not seeing folks come and give their life to the Lord. We've got to at some point make a turnaround and say, I'm going to have to get my hands dirty. I'm going to have to sacrifice some of my time. I'm going to have to risk the being embarrassed or rejected. I'm going to have to do something to get out there and go after people. The church will be full when we, de- when we desire God over the things of our world. And I keep praying on a regular basis that as the Lord, as we pray in faith over situations like we pray today, that God's revelation and His power begins to move in lives in such a dramatic way that it has nothing to do with what we do. Not our music, not our preaching, not our welcome, not our coffee, not any of that. It begins to be the place where you got to come and see what God's doing. you got to see what God is doing in lives and changing lives. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm stuck there and I will not ever move from there. All the other stuff's important and we work on it hard as a church. Several of you spent all weekend here praying and planning and detailing. And that's vital stuff to be ready, to have a house ready. But you know what we need more than anything is a move of God. And as God moves and changes hearts and lives, that testimony goes out from us in a powerful way. That's where I was going to stop. And then this week I got an article and I read an article that really impacted me. It was called eradication of gospel poverty. And right now, that makes you want, kind of want to go to sleep when you hear those words. But it caught me, the eradication of gospel poverty. And when I read it, the more I read I, I kept saying, this has got to become my personal burden. This has to become a heart change in me. You see, it's good It's really good if we help lift poor people out of poverty and out of a spirit of poverty. It's a good thing that we do that. But reality is, it's imperative that we lift the soul that out of a place of separation from God. See, it's good to meet practical needs. But if that's all we do, then that all, we're gonna, it's filling a a belly with some water, uh, giving a cup of cold water. Jesus says that's good if you do that in my name. But if that's all we do, all we did was give a, a drink to a person that is gonna be separated from God, thirsty for eternity. If we give them bread, and I love that we do. I love that we take care of people and serve them and meet practical and physical needs. And if we give them bread without giving them the bread of life, we've just filled a temporary tummy but left a life empty for eternity. Do you understand the weight and the pressure God is putting out in this message for us to stop doing what's not working and start doing that which is a bit uncomfortable for us in order to tell people that there is a message of hope in our life. Everything big today is about this thing called social justice. Helping make Wrong things right and that's all good and the church should be doing all that. But let's say we start trying to make bad things better but if we don't ever give them the healer, if we don't give them the the soothing balm that troubles their soul, if we do not give them Jesus, what we have is Band-Aids everywhere over cancer. Does no good. It may cover it for a minute but it does no good. The verse that says, Here's the bottom line. Verse that says, faith comes by hearing. Yes? Faith comes by hearing. Spoken word. And it's about the good news of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm scared because I don't know. If I got in that situation, I wouldn't know what to say. Because the Bible has got so much stuff. I don't, it's really pretty simple. Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I'm a sinner. And He died. You see, that's the greater love. Jesus arose from the grave after he had been buried for three days, and that means that he overcame death, and he gives me the ability to know, realize I don't have to fear death anymore because I have eternal life. That's two. That's all. You know. I'm going to all get in those three things. See, that's a great promise that you don't have to fear death anymore. And then Jesus ascended to heaven after 40 days. After he talked to some of his disciples, he ascended into heaven. And that's the great reward because that means when this earth suit is dead, I'm not, die, I'm not dead, I've, I'm now with the Lord in heaven. He proved that. That's the basics of the gospel. The spoken words of the gospel of Jesus. If you add those to the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you, it penetrates even the hardest of heart, prideful hearts with the saving power of God's grace. The, that's the promise. It's by hearing that of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, Mark, I don't know what to do. Tell them your story. What did you do before? Matter of fact, I think Pat's telling, teaching a class called Telling Your Story. Pastor Jim's going to teach a class about... In, taking that gospel to your circles of people in your life. But all we have to do is say, here's what my life was like before I met the Lord. Here's what I struggled with. This was my condition. And here's how I heard about it. Somebody told me at Bible school or church or youth camp or a revival or on the, I was riding with a business buddy of mine. That told, wherever we hear it, the hearing, when they hear it, comes faith. And that faith opens the heart door for the message of the gospel. But if we're fearful of speaking the message, the faith power does not open the heart. So it's, it's all tied together. And I'm going to confess, if you're like me, I have an unfounded hesitation to share the gospel. For fear of some form of rejection, for fear of some kind of objection or offending, the other person. But I remember what the scripture says, that the gospel itself is offensive because the things the world calls wisdom, God calls it foolish. And the thing God calls as wisdom, the world calls it foolishness. But that doesn't change the fact that the change that can happen in people's lives is through the spoken word, through the power of the spirit, and the testimony of your life. That lives can be changed. See, Satan, I know he works strongly to keep people in bondage, in, in lostness. That's why I wanted to pray today. I, I mean, it wasn't tied together in my mind, but that's why we prayed together today. Because as long as you and I are living under some other name, we will never represent the name. As long as we are identified by another name, a lesser name, you're no good, you're no. You're not smart enough, you're not tall enough, you're too dumb, you're um, too skinny, you're too fat, you're too uh, whatever you're too much of. The enemy will make sure you hear that and will cause you to sit in your seat with the mouth closed because we're not worthy. When, if you'll remember Jesus on his resurrection, he said, I got to go away. I'm going to go because I'm going to... S- set myself right at the right hand of the father and I'm going to pray for you because I know that you are going to represent me we the church represent him in a, in a dark world yes it's dark yes it's scary yes it's dangerous but I believe you're safe as you can ever be when you're doing the will of God because if you, take, if you get killed there what does it matter you're heaven good news you get to skip the next pain you get to go to be with him but you're safe where you are placed in the Lord. I'm saying this to you because I have the same fears and tremblings that you do of taking the word of God, the, the message of faith to a person, and the promises is when they hear, faith comes. But if we're not talking, many of us are not because we're either afraid or we're under the satanic law or work that says you're not worthy You're not good enough. You're not trained enough, so don't open your mouth. Well, you know what happens? He wins, and that makes me mad. Makes me mad for me and makes me mad for our church when I know that that's happening. What can we do to eradicate poverty, gospel poverty? I'm going to ask you to do this with me today. It's not hard. I challenge you to do it because if you're like me, I can't change me. I don't have enough willpower to change me. But what I'm going to ask God to do is to change me. If you're lost and you don't know the Lord, I'm going to ask you to come and get, give your heart to the Lord. If you've received salvation, but you've never advanced from that place, come and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I put some other things in front of you, but I'm going to put them down. I'm going to lay them down today because I want you first in my life. This is uncomfortable, I know. Christianity does not promise comfort. It promises hope. And a message for our life. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do pray. I'm gonna tell you coming up, and I'll tell you now. The Lord gave me a message, and I was preaching it right here when the Lord gave me the message. And the message was for our church for 2019. And the words He said to me were, In the harvest. In the harvest. And when I heard it, I was preaching about the passage that says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Do you remember that a few weeks ago? That he might send laborers into the fields that are white unto harvest. And I said that day, would you join me? Let's start praying that the Lord will call in laborers. And then I said something I didn't even know what I was saying until now. And I said, now be ready to be an answer to that prayer. Because what God is going to do, he'll bring some people in that are evangelists here. And they're easy and they're good. They're better at it than most of us probably. But they're driven. But what I'm saying is the Lord is going to ask us to answer that prayer. And he's doing it. I've got three or four evangelists already saying, I've got a neighborhood. I'm going to take it. I've got de- I heard of a block of whatever that is, ten houses or whatever makes up your block. And not all of you maybe are ready to do it. But I think many of you are being called because of the drive of God that says, go get them. Go make them, go haul them, go tell them whatever it takes to get my house full because he knows what's coming for eternity. So this morning, would you pray with me to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field? And then would you say, Lord, would you get my heart right so that I'm one of them? I ask you, I'm challenging you as a church to pray it. Second, would you ask the Holy Spirit to give us a burden that comes with boldness? gives us courage to tell our story of what God's done for us do you have enough courage to pray for that boldness and ask the spirit to do that I'm going to ask you to invest your time and invest your money in a church and in ministries that are busy about spreading the gospel to those souls that are starved for salvation ladies and gentlemen we've been here at the new facility a year and a half and God has blessed us so much in every way possible I mean, I just, when I think what he's done in a short amount of time, it's been truly amazing to watch it. But I really feel the Lord says, okay, now you got your house in order. you got most all of the parts and pieces in place to be an effective, strong house of God. But then he says to me on that day a few weeks ago, get in the harvest. So I'm going to challenge you. I'm challenging me. Because Pat, Brother Pat, I'm going to take a block. I need you to help me figure out which one that is. Brother Rusty, I'm going to get a a block. Brother Deacons that are going to do it, I'm joining you. I'm going to take a block. And we're going to go start investing in people's lives and loving on folks and praying for people. Vicki, could you come? I know that my energy is on this area is strong. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor by heart. I think about the church. I pray about the church. I work in the church. I love the church. I like to organize and structure and build the church. I love to do all that. But this is not doing it for me right now because God's, God's stirring something in the harvest. And so we kind of got our house in order and guys, do your job and let's do it well. But now let's go out and let's harvest and bring some people to know the Lord. But you may need to pray first, and the altars are open, and Vicki's going to play. Would you stand?